Hey everyone, David Bowden here. Before we start the show, we have a special announcement from the team here at Spoken Gospel. As we approach our summer film block, we're filming our final introductions for our whole project on the Bible, including books of the Bible like the book of Revelation and Chronicles, and it's going to be an amazing time. And we are almost finished funding our need for this film block, and we have about $30,000 left to cross the finish line. And we are asking you, our podcast listeners, to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on donate and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of scripture. We believe every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Let's jump in. Okay, well, this is the last episode in the book of Genesis. Yes. We're going to we're going to talk about the last main character, Joseph. Yes. Yeah, how you feeling today, Seth? Well, old. Old, why? I am officially you can throw your back out years old. Oh, did you throw your back out today? Oh no. <laughs> 3 days ago. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I've been like lying on the ground and putting my feet up at 90 degree angles because oh. I can't walk around. So that if you're wondering, guys, 30 years old. That's the. That's, that's, I think the first time I threw my back out was at 30. See, our yeah, body, our bodies are officially decomposing. It's true. Death is coming, but we triumph over it because the serpent's head has been crushed. Well, wow. <laughs> is this a good? Is this Jesus Jukes right out Jesus the box? Jukes. I really wanted like I thought about changing the name of this podcast to, to Jesus, Jesus Jukes. Jukes. <laughs> Jesus Jukes, Jukes with Seven David. <laughs> But um, anyway, we're not doing All that. All youth pastors everywhere, tune in. That's right. That's right. How do I Jesus? Jesus choose? is the true and better Harambe. Jesus is the true <laughs> and better throwing your back out. <laughs> anyway, so we've talked about um, Eve and the fall and the flood. And then we went with our, our four main characters. Abraham, Abraham Isaac, Isaac Jacob, Jacob, and now yeah. Joseph. Joseph. Right. So these are... These are the patriarchs, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that right? The patriarchs. Okay, the patriarchs. Fantastic. And so if you'll remember, Jacob had 12 sons through some really, um, <laughs> I don't know what to call it, like family feud yes. stuff going on. A baby-making competition. Baby-making competition. Yeah, I like that. And Joseph is kind of the last but not least yes. of, of the... Of, and he, he is the Judah's, one of Judah's... Favorite sons, Jacob's. Jacob's. That's so so many J names. So yeah, one of Jacob's favorite sons, right? Because he came son. Yeah, of Rachel. Right. Yeah. 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 Finally, my hot wife had a kid. (laughs) Is that? Is that? I mean, you know, he's a patriarch. What are you gonna do? He gets patriarchal society. (laughs) I can't even follow. Lie. <laughs> David told me that he had some inner ear problems before I we went my, on air. I, my left so ear I think is completely all of this clogged. episode was just going to be <laughs> chalked up to okay, David's ear problems. I like that. I'm also on Benadryl. Oh, yeah. Cutting it with coffee, so mm. it's working real well for me. Um, welcome. Welcome. To the trip. <laughs> to the trip. Uh, so anyway, so we, 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 we kind of get a glimpse into this family, and yeah, we find out that Jacob or Joseph is the favorite of Jacob. And it is designated by the fact that he makes him this famous 
coat. Technicolor dream coat. Technicolor dream coat. That's right. He makes him this coat of many colors and puts it on him, and it is this visible symbol that Joseph's the favorite. Right. Uh, and again, we have this thing repeated that the younger son seems to have the favor. Right. Right? That yes. uh like like we had Abel over Cain, we had Jacob over Esau. And well, the difference here yep. is that Joseph, even though he's the favored by Jacob, by Jacob, by Jacob uh-huh. is not the promised seed. That's right. So even though he's the promised seed, even though he's not the promised seed, he's still the uh the favored one. Ooh, which is interesting because Jacob's dad, Isaac, did kind of the same thing. God had chosen Jacob, but Isaac favored Esau. Yes. And so he's kind of repeating the sins of his father. Family history. Family history, <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, we, what we'll find out is that despite what we're about to read next, Judah is actually the one who gets in the line of Jesus, the promised seed. Yes. But uh, Joseph jo- essentially yeah. makes sure it happens. Joseph oh, yeah. is the one, without Joseph's faithfulness and mm-hmm. agency um, and faithfulness to God. Right. Judah would never have survived. Right, because they would have died in the upcoming and famine. And I think that's one yeah. of the unique things about Joseph's stories. Up to this point, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when we see them, we kind of know they're morally compromised characters. Right. We look at them and we see these guys have pretty clear character flaws. Mm-hmm. But despite human faithlessness, God has proven over and over again that he is faithful. Right. And in Joseph, we get a picture of what faithfulness actually looks like. And even, and so like, there's very, like, Joseph is never painted in a poor light. Joseph's actions are considered good and holy and wise throughout the entire narrative. And his faithfulness is what allows uh, Judah's line to continue. Mm. He's responding faithfully to God's faithfulness to him. Right. And so that's the unique thing about Joseph and the thing that we are supposed to take away as well. Like, we are supposed to see Joseph in some senses in, as an exemplar for ourselves as well. Like, here is a man who's faithful to God's covenant. Yeah. But isn't it interesting that like um we if you're reading this straight through and you're you're thinking about Genesis 3:15, you're waiting for this promised seed to come and you read through the whole story of Joseph, you're like this guy is different. Like he is a moral exemplar. He's yeah. really good. He hasn't messed up yet. And in fact, in this story that we're looking at now in in chapter 37, there's these dreams and visions given him where people are bowing down to him and he is reigning over all of them. Even his parents are bowing to him. And it's like, this must be the promised seed. Um, but like you get, we get, we'll get to the end of Genesis and it's he's not. not. He's not. And, and what, what's striking is these, there's these two stories put side by side. So let's kind of look at them side by side because I think that might be helpful. So first you have the really famous story of Joseph getting his his coat of many colors. Right. His brothers get jealous because he's get, being favored by his dad, and he's having these dreams and saying like, hey, I had this dream from God, and you all bow down to me, and they not, get mad. Not the best little brother move. Not the best little brother move, <laughs> but, you know, uh, and like, and people talk about, like, that was a sin. Like, okay, I've, heard, okay. I've had people yeah, talk yeah. about, like, that's a sin. I think he's just, if he is, like, the younger brother, and, and I think he's more naive than anything, where he just, like, imagine having this vision from God yeah. And like, what are you going to do? You're, You're already go- the favorite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, favoritism breeds naivety, right? I think that's very true. And, and, but but you would come to your family, but guys, I just had a vision from God. Like, l- listen to what happened. Okay, here's what I saw. And he tells him the vision. He's not right. thinking like, you know, yeah, take that, losers. I'm so much better than you. I don't right. think we see him doing that. Okay, so we have this, and the, the brothers get jealous. They they take, they, they take him out into like this 
just far place. What were the his, two stories side by side? Uh, we're, oh, Judah oh. and Tamar. Oh, I want to oh, I want to oh, do these okay, side because okay. we're talking about which one's the chosen seed. So right. I think it's really interesting. So that's the other one we're going to get to. But yeah, this famous one. His brothers take him out. They fake his death. They sell him into slavery. They bring his 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 coat back covered in animal blood and tell a lie to their dad that he was mauled by a wild animal. Right. And Jacob weeps. And then we get this next story of Judah and Tamar. So Judah is supposed to be, and we already expect Judah to be the promised seed. Oh, right, because the other two have disqualified themselves right. in the defiling of Dina. Right. Which we talked about last week. Yes. Okay, yes. Okay. So this is supposed to be the promised seed. And Judah is failing to live up to his covenant obligations to provide a seed. He's not increasing and multiplying and going on and doing what God has commanded the promises to do. And the, the, that, that's the basic version of the story, but it gets complicated. <laughs> he's doing it. He's, this is the nicest whitewashed <laughs> way to say this. <laughs> but so there, so first off, he doesn't marry the right kind of woman. No. He marries a Canaanite woman, right? Yes. So everyone else has gone back to the land of Abraham to marry a wife, right? Isaac did it with Rebecca. Jacob did it with Rachel. And now... Uh, this Judah, who is supposed to be, well, hopefully he'll be the oldest son who can actually be a faithful dude. Yes. He goes and marries a Canaanite woman, which you're not supposed to do. Right. And he has two sons from them. The first one um, is, 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 is married to a woman named Tamar, which we'll revisit later. Yes. And, but both of these sons are so evil that God just kills them. Yes. <laughs> like immediately. Whoa. Like that's how bad they are. And so we're seeing like, man, Judah is not the best dad. He's not the best carrier of this promise. He is marrying the wrong tribe and having such yes. evil children that God has to put them to death. Yes. Okay. So what happens is uh, Judah's oldest son marries this woman named Tamar, which I've talked about. And he says, okay, here's what you need to do, Tamar, because you don't have a husband anymore. Just wait until my my new young son, my right. third son, grows up, then you can marry him. Yes, and and he can give so you this children. Was, so this was called the law of the Levite marriage. That's right. And the idea is that this the family line needs to be passed on. Mm -hmm. The legacy of the brother needs to be passed on. We can't let the family be forgotten. Right. And so the brother of the deceased husband takes his place and. <laughs> marries this marries woman, this, yeah, and yeah. the first child is considered an heir to the brother. That's right. And so this way, God's family line will live on. That's right. Uh, yeah, so Judah right. refuses to do his duty as a father and make sure that his son marries his widowed daughter-in-law. Because he has a third son. Sh uh, his name is Sheila. Sheila. Right. And he says, okay, Tamar, Go back home to your father. Uh -huh. Wait until my son is grown up, and I will send him to you. You'll be re you'll be remarried, uh -huh. and the family line I'll, will continue. Yep, which is the right thing to do. Which is the right thing to do. Okay, but we get this little line that says, "In, in the course of time." In the course of time, and time then we're also told in a couple verses down in verse fourteen, uh -huh. when Timna saw that Sheila had grown up, and she had not, and he had not been given to him. Oh, she's uh -oh. like, okay, so Judah is failing his obligation That's to right. provide me with. The, the heir that I was promised, my mm -hmm. original husband's heir. Right. And so... So not only are Judah's two first sons so bad that God killed them, now Judah is is like withholding his third son in a sinful way as well. Yeah, so so he, he, this is all messed up. Right. And I think I said already before, like he's literally not fulfilling the command of Genesis 1 to be fruitful oh, and multiply. Yeah, right. So Tamar 
takes matters into her own hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, she dresses like a prostitute, sleeps with Judah, gets pregnant by Judah, and has his son. Right. Judah hears about that this daughter-in-law is getting is pregnant right. and wants to kill her for it. And she says, no, you can't because it's your son and proves right. it to her with the with these artifacts that she has. Yeah, she, Tamar is about to be burned at the stake and is like, and then proves like has like this court of law at her execution and is yes. like, here are the things that you gave me as the cult prostitute as my price. And I, these belong to you. Right. I can prove to you that you're the dad. Yes. And, and then, then he says, yes, yes. Yep. Th- that's me. That's me. That's me, Can't guys. Escape that one. And then he says, she is more righteous than I, mm. since I did not give to her my son, Sheila. Yeah. And why, so why is she more righteous? I think it's because uh, she was faithful to carry on the line. Right. Like she knew that this line had to be preserved and carry on. She knew that there were these echoes of Genesis 3:15 in her head that this is God's chosen line, you know, you know, my 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 ex-husband's great-great-grandfather's Abraham, all this stuff is happening. I've got to get pregnant right <laughs> with someone from Judah. I yes. have to. And so she was righteous because she's fulfilling God's yeah. plan. Yeah, to she bring is, about a seed. Yeah, she's actually trusting yeah. that God will provide a seed that will bless the nations of the world in a way that Judah is not. Right. We can talk about like the ethics of this. The ethics of this are not <laughs> ideal. No, it's <laughs> very, very hard to get through the ethics of this. But the point is, what man is intended for evil, yes, God continues to intend for good. That is the point. And we also have there is. We see this line continue. Her, she has twins, mm-hmm. just like Esau and Jacob yep. were twins. They wrestle in the womb, just like just like them, just yep. like Ju- Jacob and Esau wrestled in the womb. And then we also their names are picked up in the book of Ruth as well. When mm. Ruth becomes this figure of Tamar, this righteous woman of Tamar, and both of them end up being included in Jesus's genealogy. Right. That's what's so crazy about this whole thing is you would think that if you were reading the book of Genesis, and anyone was going to be in the line of the promised seed, it would end up being Joseph, this moral exemplar, right. this favored son, this one to whom he's having for The one who is actually visions. being faithful. He's being faithful. Like, we're going to see him rise to prominence here in just a second. And, like, so, like, what, when we read Matthew or Luke, I can't remember. Matthew. Who, Matthew. Matthew. When, when, we, when we read Matthew's opening genealogy, and we see Perez, and we see Tamar, and, like, uh, what should we be thinking? Like, what is God trying to communicate to us in putting these morally compromised characters in his son's genealogy? Right. What is he trying to communicate to us? I think what he's trying to communicate is two things simultaneously. Okay. What human beings intend for evil, right. God intends for good. We've Definitely. talked about that over yeah. and over yep. again. But the other thing he's showing us is that even like human faithfulness, it's not, it's not about... J- Joseph isn't saved because he's morally faithful. Mm. He's saved because God has purposes to save Israel. Yeah. The reason why Israel ends up ultimately succeeding is not because of Joseph's faithfulness, but it's because of God's. Right. We're not saved, in the words of Paul, by works of law, yep. but by trust in Jesus alone. Mm. And so I think even here we have God's faithfulness despite human faithlessness. Yeah. And even human faithfulness, as good and exemplary as it is and how we should follow Joseph, mm-hmm. that is actually not what, that's not ultimately what brings God's purposes about. Right. It's God's plan, God's will, God's uh, determination, and his grace towards people who don't deserve it. 
Okay, so now we come upon the story in Genesis 39 that is preached in every worth the wait classroom that I've ever been in. Every yeah, every sexual seminar for middle schoolers. This is this, this one. Is, it's this, this is one. It. It's this. It's it's Joseph is working in this Egyptian official's house, Potiphar, and uh, he has this beautiful wife. Beautiful who just keeps wife coming on to him, who just keeps wanting wanting Joseph, and he keeps saying no. And eventually, she even tries to like corner him. Yeah, and he flees. Uh, right. like naked, right? She like yeah, grabs his garment. Yeah, she's like grabbing his clothes off of yeah. him and he's running out of the house trying right. to get away from her. And so like I always remember like this story in school or not school, at church and stuff where it was like, man, like it doesn't matter how f- clo- like close you are to doing some kind of sexual sin. Just run. Like you can still run away was always the point. <laughs> Your clothes could be off you close, under yeah. the covers. I've literally heard and this. And then just run out of the house. Yes. <laughs> I've literally heard that message. <laughs> So is that what we are supposed to be learning from uh, from the story of Joseph, Seth? Uh, <laughs> I think it's a point you okay. could make okay. from the story of okay. Joseph. Like I think Joseph, as we've said over and over again, is, is an example of human yep. faithfulness right. in response to God's faithfulness. Right. And I think in a lot of ways we're supposed to look to him and say, yes, he is. That was real good. That was a real good move. Yep. Unlike, unlike Judah... The yes. promised seed whose sexual brokenness is on full display. That's right. Joseph is sexually a sexually faithful, pure and pure, sexually yep. faithful man. So it is interesting that Judah and Tamar is put up right against right the story against of it. the Potiphar story. You're yes. supposed to see that God is using faithful Joseph yep. to bring unfaithful Judah the yeah. pro- to be to be the promised one. Does that isn't, make- yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense. But isn't it, it's also really interesting that God can use for good sexual chastity and sexual brokenness. Right. I think it's really interesting. I think that's really good news for people who are like, like I, my sexuality is so compromised. I've done such right. terrible things with it right. that there's no way God could use my story and my life and what's, or my children or my, my marriage yes. or whatever for good. And it's like, yeah, this is showing the exact opposite of that. Yeah. So I just think that's really good. And think about it this way too. You have Joseph isn't just a moral exemplar. He points us to Jesus. That's right. Jesus was a single man like yep. Joseph, I think, at this point in the story. Yep. He was sexually faithful yep. and sexually pure. And it's through his faithfulness that sexually broken people are still en- enter into mm-hmm. his family line. That's right. So why does unfaithful Judah get into the family line? Because Faithful Joseph is faithful. Right, yeah. And so Jesus does the same thing. He is faithful sexually when we are not. And he invites all sexually broken people into his family line if we would just trust in him, if we would trust in his faithfulness. I think think part of the problem with casting this only as a moral story of don't do this, Uh it ends up just being an exercise in shame. That's right. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard like the example of the rose. Oh, yeah. It's like some guy gets up on stage and he says, isn't isn't this rose beautiful? Isn't this rose so, so, so beautiful? Like here, I want everyone to experience it. And they they pass it around the room. And by the time it gets back to the stage, it's just falling apart. It's passed through, you know, 100 middle schoolers' hands. Yeah. And then he just says, who would want this? Mm. Who would want this? This broken. Broken thing. I mean, you feel that at the end of Judah and Tamar. Who would want this? Right. Who would want this? And uh, Matt Chandler's line is just like, Jesus does. Jesus wants that. Jesus wants the rose. Yeah. He wants you, and he is faithful to the end to give it to you. That's really good. Yeah. Okay, so what's interesting then is at the end of the net result, I should say, the net result of Joseph's faithful sexuality 
is thrown into a pit. Is he's thrown into prison. And another pit. Another pit. Yeah, his brothers <laughs> threw him into one pit whenever like whenever like we're going to hold you here until we figure out what to do with you. Now he's thrown into another pit in the in the belly of Egypt. Yeah. And um that I just find that really interesting too. Maybe it goes back a little bit to what you were talking about with um, we're not. I, I don't think this is the point the text is making, but I can't but think about it. Where it's like we're not saved by our own right righteousness, our own yeah. faithfulness, and it's like Joseph's faithfulness was not rewarded here immediately, right. and um and it and yet it seems like Judah's unfaithfulness was rewarded with twins. Yeah, and so it's just everything's upside down in, in this. It's really it's and I think it's supposed to throw you off, right, and show you again how faithful Joseph is, even in the pit, right. God is blessing him. Yes. God is elevating him to positions of authority. Yep. And he, while he's in there, he meets these, a baker and a cupbearer. Yep. Interprets dreams for them. They end up getting, one gets executed. Another one gets elevated back to power. And the time comes when Pharaoh has a dream that he needs interpreted. And, and guess who they call upon? Joseph down in the pit. That's right. Yep. The cupbearer says, there's a man in the pit who can interpret your dreams. And he is elevated again yep. through power. <laughs> so, That's right. So no matter, no matter what... Joseph has to go through, no matter what suffering or trials, God is continuously faithful to bring him out of it, and not only out of it back to where he was, but to elevate him to a higher position of authority and power. Yes. Right? And I mean, you, you just, you can't help but see the gospel in that. Like, that Jesus, who was robed not in a technical or dream coat, but with all splendor and glory, right, walked through the same kind of derision that Joseph's brothers put Joseph through, Right. They, you know, they, they, they beat him. They sold him for money into slavery. Like, 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 um, oh, what's his name? The betrayer. <laughs> oh my goodness. Judas. Judas. <laughs> There's too many J names right now. <laughs> Judas betrayed Jesus and sold him into slavery. Um, Jesus was, you know, put down into a pit, not just jail, but literally into a grave after he died. And he rose again to power, not at the right hand of Pharaoh, which we'll soon see, but at the right hand of God, who's above all kingdoms, all power, all authority, is it's like Joseph is walking us through like what it looks like for the morally faithful one of God to be able to be risen to a high place of power despite the depths of suffering to which he has to go. Yes. So I think we see that here in the Joseph story. So I think that's pretty cool. So Joseph is um, interprets correctly Pharaoh's dream. So Pharaoh has two dreams. Yep. Parallel dreams. And we're, right. the reason we're told he has two dreams because in the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. Oh, right. And that should trigger things for you because Joseph had two dreams as well. Oh, right. And so why? Because this thing is set in God's mind that oh. he will rule over his brothers and he will shortly bring it about. Yep. And he interprets the dreams correctly. And we're told that essentially he, it is seen as, a, as, as wisdom. Right. And I think this is something that John Salhammer points out. When you read the two stories of the two guys in the pit with him, they're very similar dreams. And you really wouldn't be able to tell which one was good and which one was bad just mm. by looking at it. Right. The only way which you would is by exercising this godly type of wisdom where you're communicating with the Lord, asking him what it means and telling him the vision, telling him the meaning. The same thing is happening here. Joseph is exercising wisdom because he's being compared to the wise men over and over again. So Joseph is exercising this degree oh, of... Oh, the wise men in Pharaoh's In Pharaoh's court. court the magicians... Who couldn't and, inter interpret who couldn't. the dream. Okay, that, okay. So there's a wisdom... I think part of what we're supposed to see here is not Jesus... Uh, J Jesus. Joseph yep. isn't just um, faithful. Right. He's also wise. Mm, he's wise and faithful. He's wise and faithful. Yeah. He's this wise leader who can interpret correctly right. the visions that people have uh, from the Lord. Okay. And so 
uh, Daniel will pick up on this. And when Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, yep. Daniel, there's a lot of allusions to the Joseph story in the oh, book of Daniel. Okay, yeah. And then Paul in First Corinthians picks up on this as well. Does he? He does. Okay. Yeah. I, want, I want to hear this. I don't know where you're going. So uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 6. Remember, Joseph is being compared to the rulers of the, his age. Daniel is being compared to the rulers and enchanters of Nebuchadnezzar's day. Okay, and in 1 right. Corinthians 2, it says, Yet among the Chur we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Mm. And yeah, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Okay. So we're, And so, so Paul is meditating on the stories of Joseph mm-hmm. and in the stories of Daniel. And what are we told about Joseph uh, in chapter 41? That the, the, the Pharaoh, 42, he says... Clearly, you have the Spirit of God. Oh, in yeah. You. So Joseph is the wise one filled with the Holy Spirit mm. who is able to correctly interpret the dreams of the people. Right. So, and when we um, fast forward yeah. into the New Testament, right. Paul just heightens this and said there are rulers and authorities still. Roman officials, demonic forces oh, right. who are yeah. trying to, by their wisdom, control the world. Mm-hmm. We have particular visions of what they think the world's going to do, but there's a wisdom that surpasses it all. And if they would have known the true wisdom, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Wow. Because when he dies, there's resurrection. And what's the story of Joseph over and over again? He's thrown into the pit and then comes back out of it. Right. He's thrown into Egypt to resurrect the family line. Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. And he comes back out again. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. That's really interesting. And where does the wisdom come from? doesn't come from the accumulated knowledge nope. of Pharaoh's enchanters. Right. It doesn't come from the books of the, of the, of the Babylonians and Mm-mm. their special dream interpretation journals. It comes from time spent with the Lord. Right. It comes from the well, Spirit of God it revealing this, it to you. What is Proverbs 1.1? 1, 1? Uh, the fear of the Lord is the, the beginning, beginning of, of wisdom. wisdom. Yeah. What, it, what brings true wisdom? A proper relationship with God. Mm. Yeah, and what's what's the basis of that fear that begins wisdom that lets us see into these secret things of God? Is it like like you've said? Is it is it trying harder or being better? Like racking up all these moral the fact points? That this, all this leadership capability yeah. just oozing out of him yeah. in the prison. <laughs> no, it's it's trust. It's faith that he is. I mean, imagine the trust and faith it would take to just like name it right. Because I think right. I think uh, to name the interpretation because I think Pharaoh. It says, like, if you're wrong, I'm going to kill you, right? Is that, am I right? That might be Daniel you're thinking oh, of. Oh, well, I mean, there you go. We were already talking about right. Daniel. Yeah, so, but there's that idea that, like, you put a lot on the line whenever you're you're giving people these kinds of interpretations, especially whenever it's Pharaoh, you know, the lead, the you know, biggest, baddest leader in the land. Right. Um, I mean, what kind of trust and faith would you have to have that, like, did I just hear from the Lord about this yeah. interpretation? And, and so it, it's just this fearful faith that... Joseph had in his God that he would lead him to interpret these dreams correctly. Yeah. And so for us today, what how how do we look into the secret things of God and understand his plan from all eternity past? Is it is it by being the best biblical scholars in the world or being the most morally exemplar people? No. I mean, yeah. those are good things. What did Joseph do? Yeah. He remembered God's past faithfulness to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. So you and I do the same thing. We look back to the cross of Jesus Christ. Did he die? Yes. Did he rise from the dead? Yes. That is the true wisdom of God. Yeah. If you trust in that, 
if you believe that, if you meditate on it, if that becomes the engine of your life motivating the things that you do, you become the wisest person <laughs> in your corporation. You become the wisest person among your peers, not because you are smarter, right. but because you're d diving into the heart of God, faithful even unto death. Okay, so Joseph interprets these dreams of Pharaoh, and they're about um, a pl uh, not a plague, a famine, a famine that's a about famine. to take place. And so seven he, years of plenty, yeah. seven years of famine. And Joseph not only wisely, we talked about wisdom, not only wisely interprets the dream, he also wisely comes up with a plan for how to deal with the fact that there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, right? right? This is when Pharaoh says it. He's like, can we find a man like this in whom the spirit of God dwells? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there's none as discerning as wise than you are, you be in charge. Yeah. So <laughs> That's he, what he says. Yeah, so he, he, puts a, he, puts, he puts Joseph in charge, and Joseph decides that we're going to over overstore, we're going right. to oversave during the seven years of plenty so that we can have, have enough when the seven years of famine come. Right. So and he, people yep. can buy it back from us, and, and you we'll, get it wealthier, Pharaoh. That's right, yeah. Right. Pharaoh likes this idea. Yeah, he does. Smart guy. Yeah. And so, um, and so the famine comes after the seven years of plenty, and it reaches the land where Jacob and his sons are. So this is Joseph's family. And um, they are like starving out there. There's no food. And they hear that they can go to Egypt and buy some yep. food. So they walk all the way over there and they bow themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Uh -oh. Verse six. There's the dream. The dream has been fulfilled. That's what Joseph dreamed. Yep. Joseph knows it's his brothers, but the brothers don't know that it's him. Right. Um, and then... More Trixie. More Trixie. <laughs> More Trixie. It's been the word of Genesis is <laughs> Trixie. Is. Yeah. He uh so yeah, so Joseph ends up saying like he he wants because Benjamin didn't come, the youngest brother, right? Right, he didn't come. Yeah, he didn't come because Jacob was fearful that, you know, something would, bad would happen to him. Right. And so he but Joseph loves Benjamin. Yeah, he, and, and he's yeah. just asking his brothers questions. Is your father still alive? Do you have any right. other brothers? He's like questioning. He's them. giving them the third degree, but really he's like, Hey, how's dad? You know, like but they have no clue yes. that's what's happening. But he actually calls them spies and it's right. like Cass is an interrogation. Yes. You guys are spies. How many how many siblings do you have? How's your how, dad? How's your dad? Is he alive? <laughs> And yep. um, and so basically, he, they they give him all these answers, and, and they're they like, well, we well we actually do have one more brother. His name's Benjamin. He's back home. And no they even deal. admit yep. that there's one brother who who's is not no there. more, and that's all they oh, say. Oh, who's one? Who's one no more. is right. no more. Yep. And so in the narrative, this is actually pretty important mm. because you see, you still see a lack of repentance, a lack of remorse oh, yeah. on the brother's part. They won't even name. Right, his brother, or the, let alone take ownership for right. what happened to him. There is one who is no more. Right, who knows what happened? Well, who knows what happened yeah. to him? Yeah. And then throughout the throughout the story, they become more and more aware that what they did was wrong, yep. and they experience guilt for it. Even down in verse twenty one, in truth, they're trying to explain what's happening. Mm -hmm. They're they're they they think they're about to die. They, they don't know what's going to happen in Joseph's care. And they said, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother. Did I not tell you it was a sin against the boy, but you didn't listen to me? Mm. So they're processing, why is all this bad stuff happening to us in, in Egypt? Why are they interrogating me? Right. They've thrown one of our brothers into another pit, yeah. just like we threw Joseph, Joseph into, into a pit. Like, yep. Is like God punishing us with the same thing we did to Joseph? <laughs> and so they're trying to process through, are we actually being punished right. for what we did. Which is crazy that this is the first time that they might be actually coming to a realization about how terrible the thing they did to their brother was. Yes. <laughs> like, man, could it be that we did something wrong to Joseph? 
anyway, so they Joseph says uh, you have to leave. Here's here's your grain. You bought it. Now go go away. If you and want you, your brother back, yeah, you can't. Yeah, I, I've taken your brother. Who's thrown in? Uh, it's Simeon. Okay, and they yeah. start heading back home yep. with all the grain, and they get to a lodging place. They get to a halfway point, and they open up their bag, I guess, to eat some grain. And they find that all their money is still in the bags. Yeah. Joseph had one of his servants put all the money they paid for the grain back in the bags, which was like his way of blessing them. Right. But they take it as a sign of like, oh no, he's going to think we stole all this money. Right, and in their words, what is this thing that God has done to us? <laughs> <laughs> and so they go back, and they're not allowed to go back to Egypt without Benjamin. Right. Because Joseph's like, how, how will I know who, who you, you are, who you say you are, unless you bring this this younger brother of yours. So they go back, they they uh, tell Jacob, and Jacob's like, nope, you're not going back, you're not taking I'm not Benjamin, I've already son. lost one son that I loved, I'm you, not well, losing Well, even another. says I've lost two sons now, Joseph and now oh, Simeon. Oh, and now Simeon, He's yeah, like, I'm, I'm not, not losing a third. Right. Yeah, and so, but food runs out, and yep. they are forced to go back with Benjamin. Both Reuben and Judah, who had a role, like a pretty active role yeah. in sending Joseph over there, both offer to give up their own sons. Like, oh, that's if, right. If you, if we don't come back with Benjamin, take it out of my sons. Right. So already we're seeing a Some little softness bit softness of heart and repentance. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And so they go back, and this time Joseph welcomes them with like a feast. Yeah, they're th- they're thrown off by this. Definitely thrown well, off. Well, at first when Joseph invites them to their house, they're like, "Oh no, he's going to he knows about the money." <laughs> yeah, he knows about he, the money. Right? He knows about the money. He's going to come and get us. And so they're worried that they're about to be slaughtered. Oh, yeah. Something's going to happen to right. them. But Joseph is ready to welcome them. Yeah. He they come in with their big sacks of money saying, "You paid us. You gave us the money back. There was a mistake." And so Joseph, all this time they've kept this money, which is impressive. That is impressive actually. <laughs> and Joseph says, "No, that was God blessing you. I have your money. Don't worry about it." And he lays out this great feast for them yeah feeds all their donkeys right. and they just don't know what to do about it they're really uncomfortable during this whole they thing are. and so they kind of eat they they buy more grain and they're gonna leave again right but joseph before they do they bow again oh they bow again second, second dream second there we time. go and joseph plays another trick on them this time he puts his kind of prized silver cup like it's the cup that he drank out of right. and apparently Has practiced divination out of <laughs> as well i was like okay <laughs> cool. Right, cool whatever you know that's your cup of tea, your silver <laughs> cup of tea. Okay, no, terrible. Okay, but you, uh, but so they, he puts it in Benjamin's sack, right? And they go away, and then he sends his guards after them, and they, they, they kind of they accuse them of this, and they're, and like, and they're like, no, we're we're guiltless of this. We haven't done this thing. Search our sacks, and whoever whoever's uh, whoever sack you find this cup in, they'll be your prisoner for life or something like that, right? Right. Yeah. And so they search the sacks, and oh no. It's in baby Benjamin's sack. It is. The one dude they can't leave. They can't. They can't go home without. So they go back because, like, if they go back, if they if they go back without Benjamin, like they promised, they to give promised up their, even their, their own, own sons. sons. And more than likely, that probably wouldn't happen. But right. it would, they just know it would. That kill, would kill Jacob. It would kill their yeah. father. Yes. So they all go back to try to figure out what happened. Right. Uh, and so they they go back and they're like, we don't know how this happened, but Judah. Remember Judah, Judah yeah. and Tamar, yeah. this dude who almost uh, put to death by like uh, being burned by fire, Tamar, who had his child in her. Right, right, right. Like he, in a huge character swing, offers to give up his own life for that of Benjamin's. Yeah. Like, and which is so cool that this is the this is the chosen seed. This is the one who will lead to Jesus. He is offering to do that which Jesus will ultimately do, which is yeah. give his life for um, for others, right. right? Yeah, pay the price, right? Which is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. And so, but 
Joseph, anyway, Joseph is like when he finally <laughs> sees this change yeah. of heart in his brother. Yep, that's the that's the switch. He just starts crying yeah. in front of them, bubbles yeah. over with compassion towards yeah. them, and says, "It's me, it's me, it's, it's Joseph." Joseph. Yeah. And he um, tells them that it's him, and he says, "Don't worry about all that's happened. God has sent me ahead of you to preserve your life." Yes, that's the point. That's yes. my. Purpose in life is to preserve life. And that is the whole purpose of the Joseph story. It's the reason why we're following Joseph's story and not Judah's as closely. Right. right? It's the reason why we're in Egypt and not over in the promised land with Jacob and his sons. Yes. Because God is trying to show us that he is providing for his people through very it's, unlikely circumstances. Right. It's the faithfulness of somebody else right. who will provide salvation for faithless people. That's right. Like yeah. it's, it's the story of because Jesus. Jesus's faithfulness provides salvation yes. for faithful us. That's right. Jo- faithful Joseph provides salvation for faithless Judah. Yeah, because if you think about it, um, Jacob and his sons would have died out there. The promises of God would have been over. Genesis three fifteen would have been proven false unless God would have raised Joseph up through his brother's evil. And rose him through the ranks of the most prestigious and powerful empire on planet Earth in order to provide food for them. But also, not only for them, this is also a um, foreshadowing of God's promise to Abraham. He said, I will make you a blessing to all nations. Mm -hmm. And that is the word we get whenever we hear who is it that came to Egypt to receive food during this famine? The whole Earth. Right. The whole Earth streamed to Joseph in order to be fed. And that is the picture that of, even, of the whole Bible. It is. And yeah. you even have like a smaller picture of it when Jacob comes up and blesses Pharaoh. Remember this in chapter 47? Um, uh, Pharaoh yeah. meets Joseph's father and says, oh. like, how long have you been alive? Like 120 years. And then his father says, let me bless you, Pharaoh. Literally, <laughs> it's the same words. <laughs> let me bless you. And he blesses yes. Pharaoh. Yep. Literally, the Being Bible. Being to all nations. Like, the promises of Abraham are coming true right in front of them. Wow. And in verse 27 of chapter 47, it says, they went into the land of Goshen, obtained possessions, and they were fruitful and multiplied greatly. Right. We had this expectation that Egypt is becoming the new Eden. Yep. Abraham, the heir of Abraham is blessing the nations. All the nations of the world are coming to Egypt to receive grain. There's lots of grain, and food, and food there. People are multiplying. Joseph, the faithful one, is reigning and yep. ruling. There's a chosen seed in the in yep. Egypt. We This is Eden. Yes. This is going to be Eden. Right, which is so crazy because we've seen Eden have really firm boundaries you know, the rest of Genesis, we've talked about that many times, where it's like, it's always this place, and make sure you come, you know, you go get the wife from, you know, Abraham's land, but make sure to come back here, because we have to stay here. But then, we we go to Egypt, to this other place, where when we turn the page into Exodus, this place sucks. Right. <laughs> uh, but here, it's like, man, God's building his kingdom here. Right. And like, that's the picture of the whole Bible, is that the whole earth, even the worst places, will become like Eden. And all nations of the world will be blessed because they get to dwell with God because yeah. of the, the work of the final chosen seed, Jesus. There's even more hints than this in chapter 46, verse 27. Yep. It's just listing the genealogy of Joseph. Right. And there are 70 yes. descendants listed, just like there were 70 sons of Adam listed. You're meant to see this as hopefully a new Eden. Right. But you're also clued in to the fact that it's not that this might not be. Because so of chapter forty six. That's right. Uh when God 
actually is reaffirming his covenant to um, Jacob. He says, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, right. for there I will make you a great nation. So you have to ask the question, why would God have why to would say? He be, not, why would he say, don't be afraid? There's food there. There's food there. <laughs> your son's there. Right. Uh, your family will be there. Right. You'll be provided it's for. You have a, a possession yep. and a land. It's because Jacob's remembering a promise made to his grandpappy. In Genesis 15, <laughs> right. 13, yep. where God says, you will go down to Egypt and you will be servants. For you'll be 400 slaves years. For 400 years. So you have what looks like Eden on the outside, Mm -hmm. but you also have this promise lingering in the background that 400 years of slavery also awaits God's chosen people in Egypt. So why is he afraid? He's like, this is where we're probably going to go into slavery. That's terrifying. But what's amazing is he says, there, in Egypt, in slavery, for 400 years, it's there that I'm going to start to fulfill the promise I made to Abraham to make you a great nation. Because that's what we've been waiting for. Right. It's been, we, we've had a, a a kind of a lineage of scarcity so far. It's like, Abraham, you're, you're not going to be able to even number how many kids you have. Like, look at all the stars. Look at the sands of the sea. That won't even compare to how many kids you have. Okay, you had one and just barely, you know, and then you had a few others. But like, right. you, and then it's like, okay, we've got Jacob and, or, or uh, Isaac, you know, and then we've got Jacob and Esau. And it's like this this kind of lineage of scarcity. And then, oh, then we have 12, but it's through slaves and multiple wives and all this other stuff. And then finally we get to Joseph and we have 70 and we're like, okay, that's still more than 12, but that's a far cry it's from outnumbering 12, the stars right. in the sky. And isn't it interesting that that if the if the main theme of Genesis is God using evil to bring about good, that it's in the midst of evil, in the belly of Egypt, uh, when they're enslaved and oppressed, that that is the place where God will actually turn Israel into the great nation that he promised to be. And it's the same now. Yeah. It's only when we, we become slaves to Christ mm. that we are free. What's, what does Paul say over and over again? You are bond servants to Christ. You are slaves to Christ. You are not your own. You were bought, bought with a price. price. How do we experience freedom even today in Jesus? It's when we sell ourselves into slavery. Mm. It's only through slavery that freedom and redemption and the blessing of the whole world comes. Yeah. And so we know that, this, that not even Joseph and Jacob thought that this was going to be Eden. That, that That's where they would end up. Uh, because both of them... Um, kind of have a similar command given to their family. Jacob says, don't you dare bury me here in Egypt. You take me back to Canaan and you bury me there. And so uh, Pharaoh outfits them with this whole caravan. Right. And they go and they have like, how how many days? I can't remember. Just 70 days 70 of mourning. Days of mourning. Um, paid for by Pharaoh, and this huge embalming ceremony for Jacob. He's buried there because he's like, I'm, n- I don't want to be outside the promised land. I don't right. want my body to be outside the promised land. So he's trusting that God is going to bring these people out uh, of Egypt at one point and back in, into fulfilling what the promise that he made to him and to his father right. and his grandfather. And then Joseph has a similar pronouncement. He's about to die, and he says, when I die... You make sure you put my bones in a backpack and carry them out of this stinking land back to my my father's promised land. Right. Yeah. So as much as it looks like Eden, Joseph and Jacob still know that this isn't supposed to be. Right. That there is another land that God is promising to bring about uh, his purposes to bless the whole world through. And that's what the book of Exodus is about. Yep. How do they get into the promised land? How do they get from being 70 people to a whole nation in the promised land. How do they escape slavery yep. 
into the promised land to bless the whole world. Yeah, and that's what we find when we turn to the book of Exodus. So it's been really great walking uh, through the book of Genesis. We're really thankful for um, for you all for uh, listening through. Um, we, we've got lots of resources on the book of Genesis um, over at our website, spokengospel.com. Um, there is uh, a, a video that maybe will be released by the time this comes out. I, I don't want to do awesome. the math. Or soon soon after, uh, the book, the introduction to the book of Genesis will be out soon. Um, there's like 20 or more devotionals coming out with these. So um, As you we know, speak right now, we are 99% funded <laughs> for, for the, the Genesis yeah, for the video. Genesis introduction. We yep. only need five people to donate, to, to join us for $36. Yep. So and, yeah, if you're if you if you enjoy this podcast, if you like the resources we make, we invite you to go over to SpokenGospel.com slash donate and uh, become a monthly supporter to our work. Uh, all, everything you, you give goes straight to um, our nonprofit um, and goes to help make resources like these. So it's been a lot of fun going through Genesis. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and if you have no dollars, I do know you have fingers. You have fingers. And you can tap five stars. That's right. And you can also tap on your little keyboard and leave us a review. It actually really helps people yes, come the find us. Here. Yeah, yeah. That, that'd be really helpful. So um, we've recorded Genesis now. We've gone through Exodus already in we the have. podcast. So we are jumping to Leviticus next. We are. So that'll be fun. So uh, we, we really hope you would join us there as we uh, walk through uh, all of scripture, trying to show Jesus in every corner of it. And uh, the blood sacrifices. In the blood sacrifices. <laughs> should be a should be a stretch for, for that. No, not really. But the dove sacrifice. Yeah. The bread sacrifice. All the of grain them. sacrifice. Yeah. There's smoke sacrifice. Smoke sacrifice. The, the wave offering. The wave offering. That's the weirdest one to me. But anyway, so we'll see you there hopefully in the book of Leviticus. So thank you guys and bye. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free, gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit SpokenGospel.com. Spoken Gospel.